We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. McConnell pushing again, gets underneath, finds Sabonis for the dunk and the ball. That's it. That's it, Sabonis. Take it right at him. Karis LeVert, people don't realize how good he really is. LeVert, skies high for the jam. Brogdon for three. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human! Well, you got it setting the base, and I think that's terrific. Happy Draft Week, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and sitting on the edge of his seat waiting for Thursday is the one and only Michael J. Focci. Focci, what's going on, man? Had to turn the fan on because these trades are heating up, Alex. Woo! Memphis and New Orleans just pulled off a big one. Still got about 72 hours to go, and I think it might be filled with madness. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff to break down with this trade, how it impacts the Pacers picking at 13 or what they could do in terms of moving their pick. But, Fachi, before we break down this trade, um, I just want to say real quick, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer has said that Memphis is still trying to move up even further uh, or closer to the top of the draft. They got the 10th pick in a trade with the Pelicans in this deal, and they're trying to uh, move that pick to get even higher in this year's draft. So going to be interesting to see what this Memphis Grizzlies team does because last year they made the playoffs and they were pretty competitive, just weren't good enough to take down the Jazz. But will you review this trade for us, Fachi, so we can break it down? Yeah, sure. So Memphis is sending out the main pieces. Jonas Valanciunas is going. So it's going to be Valanciunas, the 17th, and the 51st pick are going to New Orleans for Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, the 10th overall pick, the 40th overall pick, and a protected, that's a top 10 protected, 2022 first-round pick from the Lakers. So essentially, New Orleans was able to dump two of their worst contracts that you know everybody agreed was a bad move when David Griffin took on Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe and extended Steven Adams So for the price of dumping those contracts, New Orleans slid back from 10 to 17, and they're giving a future first. Yeah, so the Lakers pick is lottery protected from what I saw. It's top 10 protected. Top 10 protected. Okay, so 
not not I don't think that's gonna fall in the top no. ten. So they're gonna get that pick next year. They could use that pick to trade up in this year's draft. Um, we we talked about going after Eric Bledsoe because his deal is not guaranteed next year. It's halfway. Uh, it's like partially guaranteed for like three point nine million, something like that. I'm not one hundred percent sure. Next on the year's number. guaranteed. The following year is just three point nine. Right. That's what I mean. I keep saying next year because I'm already on twenty one, twenty two season. So the the summer of twenty twenty two. It is a partial guaranteed for 3.9. Steven Adams, I believe, still has two more years left on his deal. Oh, but yeah. next year, he'll be an expiring contract in 2022 that summer. He'll be an expiring contract, so he could be easier to get off of. Weird to see them move on from Balanchunas. I think that we kind of maybe guessed that that could happen because of what we were hearing a little bit from Grizzly fans and some of the guys that really do a good job covering that team. In some mock trades, we had seen where Balanchunas had been dealt. They did, a, they did one trade where they dealt Valanciunas somewhere else, and then the Pacers sent Miles Turner to Memphis. So it's it's a really interesting here. They get all the way up to 10 by taking on both Bledsoe and Adams here. I, I had some people on Twitter talking about what a gross starting five in, in Memphis putting Adams and Bledsoe in the starting five, but I just don't see any way that this, this uh, Grizzlies team can start both Adams and Bledsoe. I think someone's got to come off the bench if they don't move them later in the uh, in the offseason or in the season. Yeah, I mean, you got to imagine if Steve, Steven Adams is on the roster, he's going to be the starting center. I, I just feel that that's probably going to be the move. Bledsoe could come off the bench. He could even be moved again. I mean, who knows? Had a disaster of a year last year, but I, I don't think he's going to be as bad as he was last year. I think it was just a down year for him. And like you mentioned, you know, the fact that two years from now, it's only partially guaranteed. Contract isn't as bad as it seems. But for Memphis to want to continue to moving up, they must be in love with someone. So I don't know exactly who that's going to be. If you're at 10 and you're still trying to move up, I mean, are you, are you calling Gold State knowing that that seventh pick is overall is available? Or is it OKC that you're trying to strike a deal with to, to move up to six? Because those are really the only two picks I could see that are going to be available ahead of Memphis. Yeah, so I guess the rumor from Kevin O'Connor was that they're looking at James Booknight. And maybe Jonathan Kaminga if he falls out of the top six. So I don't know who would go six uh, above Kaminga, but if he falls out of that top six, I think that's interesting. He's a guy that I think some people are expecting maybe might slide a little bit in this year's draft just because of how big the unknown is with him. But I don't think he'll get past nine or ten. So Not at all. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do, but in terms of what the Pelicans did here, they get off two of those gross contracts that we pretty much just – hated on last season. I, I mean, I, I talked about how dumb that signing was of Steven Adams to give him that extension. But they get Jonas Valanciunas, a guy that was really good in Toronto, really good in Memphis, been working on a three-point shot next to Zion. They get the 17th pick, so all they do is move down seven picks. And if you've talked to a lot of people or heard a lot of people talk about this draft, from like picks 9 to 25, people really think that there's equal value in some of these prospects. Where I might not agree with it, but – that's what a lot of the, the major analysts are saying in terms of that. And they pick up the 52nd pick as well in this deal. They slide 12 spots down in the second round. But still, um, this roster in, in, in New Orleans, excuse me, they really need to consolidate, similar to what Indiana does with all the pieces they have. But I think this opens up a good opportunity for Valanciunas to start next to Zion. I would say that this probably takes the Pacers and the sign-in trade for Lonzo with Miles Turner off the table now 
because of them acquiring Valanciunas. I think so. I know that was a dream of yours, and AI even started getting sold on it a little bit. But I just think that this was a move that was made to free up the space to be able to match any offer sheet that Lonzo Ball signs. And to tell you the truth, New Orleans had to do what they can to keep him. I mean, you could not just let this guy walk. I mean, talent is not just walking through New Orleans and signing long-term deals. It's just not happening. I think they want Kyle Lowry. Yes, and and look, I know you mentioned that, and I've read it. Why does Kyle Lowry want New Orleans? I mean, unless they're going to throw, I'm talking big-time money at Lowry. And and I read that Lowry could be someone that is commanding potentially a three-year, $90 million deal. That is not smart for New Orleans. Okay, well, here's the thing. New Orleans, unfortunately, feels the pressure to try and get pieces to help Zion. And they want to keep Zion happy for as long as they can because he's already talked about his frustrations with how they built the roster. So, look, they could do a sign-and-trade of, of Lonzo Ball to Toronto for Kyle Lowry. Does that make sense to me? Not really, based on the age – but if you've got Kyle Lowry, you've got Brandon Ingram, you've got Zion Williamson, and then if they get a higher pick and put them in that starting lineup there, well, actually Memphis is higher up, sorry, excuse me. But if they get somebody in the draft, but they also have Valanciunas, a guy that played with Kyle Lowry for a couple of years, they would have that chemistry together. I think it makes some sense, especially if they don't want to keep Lonzo, because I did see a report out there a couple of days ago that was talking about Lonzo Ball the Pelicans did not want to match any offer sheets. They might do a sign and trade, but they don't want to match anything. So this is where I think it makes sense for both sides. Kyle Lowry wants to get paid. And at the end of the day, I don't necessarily think the Lakers are going to have what it takes to pay him that $30 million. Who would you rather have? Would you rather have Lonzo Ball in Toronto or Kuzma and KCP? I I think Lonzo Ball is the slam dunk answer here. Yeah. Even if you think Kuzma is really good or if you think there's potential there at KCP and Kuzma. So that's where I'm thinking to myself, okay, I can get the most money here, makes the most sense for me because, look, Toronto has to agree to do it, right? They're not going to just do a sign-and-trade without getting somebody back in return. So they got to want the return back. So that's where these sign-and-trades get a little bit confusing. I know Philadelphia is another team that has a lot of interest in them but they're not going to be able to just package Ben Simmons in a sign-and-trade. That would make zero sense for Philadelphia to get Kyle Lowry and move on from Ben Simmons. They could do something along the lines of, like, Danny Green plus some guys off the bench. But at that point, I just – like you said, it's a lot of money to give up for Kyle Lowry. But but if you're willing to move on from Lonzo, don't feel like he's a long-term part of your your, your future, your New Orleans, then you bring in Kyle Lowry. It makes some sense. Yeah, man, I just I just don't think Kyle Lowry is the answer. I do not see New Orleans winning anytime soon. I get it to the pressure, you know, to win with Zion, but like that is just so much more money. You know, if Kyle Lowry is going to pick the Pelicans, it's got to be that because that offer is significantly larger than anything else on the table. Because I do think he's going to have a good amount of suitors, and if if New Orleans isn't in love with Keeping Lonzo, I feel like there, there's sign trades they can evaluate over there that a ton of teams that would be interested. So, and side note, when you mentioned KCP and Kuzma, I love the fact that Woj just came out and said it yesterday. Like the Lakers have basically called everybody offering those two. It, it was 
it was pretty funny to just hear it out there because it reminded me of when you get those like fake spam calls or telling you maybe your insurance is, is, is overdue and you got to renew it. I, I felt like I'm waiting to get a call being offered KCP and Kuzma. And it's just like, you, you can't pass those guys around to every team in the league and think that they're not, you know, talking to each other. So those guys' values are just not where they, they should be. And, and I, I think that that trade package isn't going to get much done. All right, Bach, well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to get you guys set up for our Pacers draft guide for this Thursday, assuming we pick with the 13th pick. Obviously, things could change by Thursday, but we're recording this Monday night at 530. And this is going to be our draft guide heading into Thursday's draft. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, we are back. And to set up our Pacers draft guide for Thursday's draft, we're going to look at the top three available options at each position, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center. And look, there's obviously positionless basketball now, so we might have a little bit of a interchanging here between what we have per position-wise. But we're looking at realistic guys that could be available, could be on the board at pick 13, so we're not going to do the Cade Cunningham's Jalen Green, that kind of thing, but we're going to rank our top three. So let's start with our top three point guards. Fachi, who are your top three? So do you want me to just do all three at once? Yeah, we'll just do each position all right. three at once. And this is how this is how I view them. So it's going to be a little bit different um, in terms of uh, what, you know, maybe you view them. But I have at, at my number one point guard, who I think is going to be available, Josh Giddy. I mean, it depends where you're going to play him at. I know some some places are listing him as a small forward. I view him as a point guard, a, a very tall point guard. But I think he's got the best uh, passing abilities in this draft, and that's something that very much excites me. Defense, shooting, yes, it's in question. Number two, a guy that you and I are both very fond of, a man named Sharif Cooper. Now, Sharif Cooper, I view as the second best passer in this draft. So – you could tell I'm really intrigued by passing ability. And then third, what I might get some heat for, Davion Mitchell. Uh, honestly, Alex, 
I cannot sell myself on Davion Mitchell. And what didn't help was I listened to the Bill Simmons podcast today, and Bill Simmons tried to pawn Davion Mitchell off on everybody. Every pick that he slid by went, what about Mitchell? What about Mitchell? And everyone on the show kept going, eh, not really sold. It kept going on and on, and I think Davion Mitchell might be that guy that slides a bit in this draft. Yeah, there's been a lot of different things on Davion Mitchell. I heard Mike Schmitz talk about it on the Woj pod, basically saying, like, yeah, after the after the NCAA tournament, Davion Mitchell was a top 10 pick. And because we've had so many months off since that tournament, people have continued to go watch film from previous years, and they're kind of talking themselves out of it. He said, but look at how he's improved. Look at all the improvements that he's made throughout his college career. You know, shot really well at, at Baylor, guarded some of the best guys, guarded Cade Cunningham, played really well on him, just really had a breakout season in that tournament and had a really good year at Baylor. So quite frankly, for me, with these point guards, I had the exact same three as you did, but in reverse order. I have Davion Mitchell as the top point guard for me in this draft with Sharif Cooper second and Josh Giddy third. I, I really am not that high on Josh Giddy. You guys know that. I think if Sharif Cooper, and I know we joked about it with him, but I think if he was maybe just a little bit more of a defensive-minded guy. Or a little bit taller. Yeah, but Davion's not super tall either. So yeah, that's, I think it's a solid knock on him. Yeah, but I do think that he's just super stout. I, I don't think Sharif has the same muscle as Davion Mitchell, but Davion Mitchell is just a couple of years older, and I think that does make a big difference because he's had more time to get that body into a different shape. I mean, they're totally different players. So I don't think Davion Mitchell is a playmaker at all. I just think he's a defensive-minded point guard. I've seen some comparisons to Marcus Smart, which I don't necessarily totally agree with, but if he's anything like Marcus Smart, then I'm okay with it because the Pacers could just use some guys that have that infectious energy that play defense really well. I think Sharif Cooper is really good. Like, it's really close between those two for me. Josh Kitty plays zero defense, and his shot is just – not there. So that's where I met with those three guys. And yeah, I think that we, I think point guard wise, the only other person I might throw in this group is Jared Butler from Bay. Uh, was he at Baylor? Yeah, he was at Baylor. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. So yep. that's, that's another guy that people say is better than Davion Mitchell, but he gets a little bit overlooked. He could slide in this draft if the Pacers trade back. I think he'd be an interesting guy. So that's uh, he's not on my top three, but that is where I'm at. Fachi, let's move over to our shooting guards. Just real quick, real quick on, on Davion Mitchell. One thing I want to say is this guy was a redshirt junior. So, yeah, he improved, but you're talking about he improved four years into his college career, essentially. If you gave, you know, guys like, you know, Sharif Cooper another year, he would dominate college basketball. So I just feel like with Davion Mitchell, you're getting a guy that, that's six feet. Yeah, he improved. But being a Big 12 guy like myself, I watch every single West Virginia game. I saw Davion Mitchell for the last two years. He definitely got better this year, but it was one of those where he wasn't even remotely on my radar the previous year as he was just a player in the shuffle. So I think this is the kind of improvement you get when you're a redshirt junior. And being only six foot, man, I, I, I want someone else to I take the gamble on him. He might be a little bit more NBA ready than others, but the other guys, higher upside. Yeah, no, I mean, I get what you're saying there too. I just think in terms of the Pacers and how they'd be picking, they probably want someone that, that they feel can come in and compete right away. And defensive-minded. Yeah, and they need to get better on the perimeter defensively, where I think Sharif Cooper might get buried a little bit on the Pacers bench, unfortunately, if he were to be drafted, especially if they bring back T.J. McConnell. They got Malcolm and T.J. McConnell, like, where, where are you playing him at? So it's – uh, and his shooting, I mean, he talked about it. 
it was a little bit of a, a knock in college, but he wasn't like super upset about it because he thought that he was a better shooter than what he showcased. So mm-hmm. I saw some of the highlights when watching his game with Auburn and I was, yeah, I wasn't super impressed with the shot, but that doesn't mean he's not a great floor general. I, I, I there's a lot to like about Sharif Cooper too. So I just, it's a tough, it's a tough conversation. I, I just think Davion Mitchell, he started out possibly being the seventh overall pick at golden state and now maybe falling to 14 with golden state. So He's all over the board. Sharif Cooper is not really in that lottery, and Josh Giddy is in the lottery. So Giddy might, you know, be the best point guard in this draft in terms of raw potential. So anyway, um, let's move on to our shooting guards. Who you got, Fudge? So for shooting guard, number one, to no surprise, Moses Moody. I, I have not backed down. I know you've been louder in terms of uh, your love for Moody, but ever since we've covered Moses Moody, I have not looked back. He has been number one in terms of who I want the Pacers to take. Number two, a little bit of a change here. Jaden Springer, he's moving up my list. Now, the thing, every I've been listening to a few podcasts the last few days, and they're saying this guy could end up literally being the best defender in this draft, at least the best from a, from a guard standpoint. Um, so I feel like the rest of his game is going to come super young, one of the youngest players in this draft. Yeah. Then number number three, Chris Duarte. Ah, Chris Duarte. I think that yeah. you have to learn how to say his name if we draft him. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, I'm, I I like him, but the age at this point is another. There's another reason why I mentioned before, maybe a couple episodes ago, guys that are picked in the lottery that are ages 22 and older. There's really not that much room for them to continue to grow. Sure, they'll get better. Dorte's 24 years old. I mean, I like him. But at that point, like, how did you not at least put up good numbers last year when you're you're five years older than everybody? So I like him, but I love where Moses Moody's at. Everyone's labeling one of maybe the safest pick in the draft. Jaden Springer, extremely full on upside. Then there's Chris Duarte that I feel like is like a, hey, you know, he should be good right now, but how much better will he get? Yeah, so of course I had Moses Moody at my number one shooting guard. He's the number one guy on this list for me. And then the next guy is number two on this list for me. That's James Booknight. He might not be there. And that's maybe that's not why, why I didn't put him. Yeah. And that's okay. I just feel like uh, if things happen to fall a certain way, maybe he, he could slide. You know what I mean? So I'm just keeping that option open because anybody out of the top six, I really just feel like you never know what's going to happen. So that's why I put him on there. And then the next, the next uh, guy I had on there was Jaden Springer slash Keon Johnson. I'm torn, Flatchy, between these two right here because both of them bring so much different things to the to the table. And Jaden Springer is a guy that you talked about, it, really good defender. He talked about how he needed to get a shot a little bit quicker. Um, he said he didn't really seem like he was uh, <laughs> too upset with how his shot was, even though you did ask him about it. I saw so, some film. It looked, it looked a tiny bit slow a little bit, but I thought he had a great answer of saying, mm, yeah, all right. I didn't really see that, but yeah, sure. I, you know, I'm, I can improve yeah. that. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Keon Johnson, just a guy that was like somebody, so many people had him in the top 10 for the longest time. Now I'm seeing him drop out of the lottery. So I, I think it's just because of his lack of three-point shooting and his inconsistent offense, but he does a great job of getting to the basket, super athletic, super good defender. I really think that people are sleeping on him a little bit. I think he could be a surprise pick in this year's draft if he does fall out of the lottery. Somebody's going to grab him. He's going to fit in right away and make a difference. I really believe that. So that's where I'm at. I'm still bullish on him. I have some guys in my small forwards that you probably had in your shooting guard range, but um, any other comments on the guys I've talked about? 
No, I mean, I think we're all pretty much in agreement where we have, you know, similar guys just in different orders. Keon Johnson was my, like, uh, my bonus selection uh, because I do think that he's going to be sliding a bit. I mean, he was just so much higher in previous mock drafts in the past. But um, guys like Jaden Springer, I do think, are rising. So yeah. Moses Moody, man, you really just you really just don't know where he'll go. Uh, I don't think he's going to get past the Pacers. But the reason why I didn't have James Booknight is because it feels like Booknight mania out here. It feels like the Warriors like him at seven. You know, you mentioned before, maybe Memphis is trading up for him. You know, who knows? It just feels like uh, Booknight probably, safe bet, won't be there at 13. Interesting. Well, real quick here, Chris Haynes just released this. He said, Eric Bledsoe, who New Orleans included in a trade package, is not expected to stay in Memphis. Wow. League sources tell Yahoo Sports. So keep an eye on that. Could be a guy the Pacers maybe look to add to their bench. I know fans are just like cringing hearing me say that, but Eric Bledsoe, man, everybody hates on him, but I don't think he's as bad as people think. I just think he's a better bench player than he is a starter, but we'll move on from that. And we'll move to our small forwards, our top three small forwards in this year's draft. Fachi, what you got? So a guy that we, uh, you know, kind of differed on his position a little bit, Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson right now, his upside, it has to be through the roof. I, I really do. Uh, this is – one of the guys that just significantly underperformed in terms of his year. I don't want to say underperformed because he only played about 12, 13 games before he left Duke, but he has all the tools to be successful on the next level. So I think that he's someone that despite not having a good year, his stock is still very high. Number two, a guy that I cannot sell myself on, but I warmed up a little bit to him, Franz Wagner. Now, Franz, I feel like is someone that, I'm not in love with for the Pacers to take at any point, but he does have good size. He does bring a lot of different intangibles to the game that I think that he can pass, he can defend, he can you know shoot the ball. I'm, I'm intrigued, but I, I just feel like in, in a perfect world, he gets taken just before the Pacers pick. Then number three, small forwards. I have Corey Kispert in terms of where I think that he'll be available, potentially you know right in that Pacers range. Uh, it seemed like New Orleans – had, was linked to him at, at many different times at 10. That has obviously changed. And if I had a bonus pick, Trey Murphy. Okay, so small forward for me. I, I hate to say it because I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I think Franz Wagner is probably the best small forward in this draft for the Pacers in terms of realistic guys that could fall to him. I don't actually think he falls to 13. I think there's a lot of teams that are intrigued by him. The more and more I hear these draft scouts talk about him and these draft analysts talk about him, I see why they're so high on him. Sure, his shot has been a little bit inconsistent, but defensively, really good guy. He did not have a great game in the tournament, but that's to be expected. He's a young player. He's much better than his brother, Mo Wagner. So I think Franz Wagner overall is the best available small forward possible for the Pacers. I also think Chris Duarte, a guy you had in your shooting guard range, I think he can play either position. He's a, a guy that's a good defender, great three-point shooter, but 24 years old. We've talked about it. The age is concerning. It's a bit of a risk at 24 or at, at 20. Yeah, at age 24 to pick them at 13, but it's still a guy that you know can come in and contribute right away. You've seen enough of a sample size to know, hey, he might not ever really like get much better than this, but is this good enough to make a risk on it? Pick 13? Possibly. So Jay Michael has said some things about, you know, Duarte being a favorite of Indiana. So I could see that fit there. And then if the Pacers decide to take a risk at 13, let's say they 
make a trade, move up, and still have 13. I talked about this before. I just think Zaire Williams is a guy in this group that could really be a difference maker in two to three years because he had a family member die in the middle of the season last year. He was never played a home game with Stanford. COVID just really kind of put a big damper on his freshman year at Stanford. So I really believe that there is something with this guy that is yet to be unlocked. If you have two picks, I am very much in the camp of taking a risk on a guy like Zaire Williams. Zaire is probably the guy that underperformed the most last year in terms of where expectations were. He is very, very talented. Could be, could develop into a really, really good defender. Got great size, has to put on weight, got to put on muscle. But I think that that's a guy that if the Pacers trade back, it's a home run pick. At 13, do not know what you're going to get out of him this year. Really might not be much because it just feels like if you're trying to be a win-now team and you draft him at 13, the expectations could be a bit higher than where they should be. Uh, Probably a guy that would have benefited most coming back to college, but uh, I could definitely see why you like him. I like him a lot too. I I think that guys like Corey Kispert are more NBA-ready, but Zaire Williams could have a much, much higher ceiling than Kispert. Yeah, well, let's move on to your power forwards. Flash, who you got? Power forwards, I'm not going to lie. It's kind of a little bit of a weak draft in terms of power forwards. Depends, you know, what you consider power forward or a center. Uh, a guy that's been really shooting up the draft boards, Usman Garuba. Um, they believe could Usman be- Garuba. Oh, yeah. <laughs> could, could be the best uh, defender in this draft. Um, a guy that feels like the Spurs are kind of, you know, going to be all over. Um, you know, he's going to be raw though. This is, this is a guy that's going to take some time to develop. Like it's not going to be this year, but I, I think that Garuba could end up being a really good player. Um, so very intrigued by him. Uh, hey, I'm going to have to put him. Yep. Can I ask you real quick? Does he have the best name in the draft or is it somebody else? Cause I think there could be one more person that is up there for the best name in the draft, but I think he's at the top of the board. Uh, I'd probably give him number one. I feel like that's that's quite the name. Bones Highland is oh, another yeah, guy yeah, that has yeah. a sick name. Uh, those two, I mean, but Uzman Garuba is so much fun to say. If I did a little bit of PA uh, for my old high school when I would uh, go to the games and I would just kind of announce them as they were happening, kind of like Michael Grady did and Red Porter, those kind of guys. And I had a lot of fun saying names and they, our team played, a, our, our school played a couple of Amish teams and they had some really fun names to say. Uh, so I, I I am intrigued by the Uzman Garuba. I would love to hear what our PA guy says or how he says his name. I just I'm fascinated with cool names. Oh, yeah, but anyway, yeah, I apologize. Yeah, <laughs> you you could drag out the Uzman. You know, you, you could drag that out. Garuba. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There'll be a, a plenty of con- uh, plenty of different you know variations of that. But uh, number it's a two, lot better than Paul George. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just such a bland name, you know. Paul um, George. It's like, ugh, all right, yeah, sure. But no, happens to be a good player. But hey, not in Indiana anymore. But Kai Jones, uh, Kai Jones, I think could be a power forward. The next level could be a center. Your depends who you're talking to. At real height, six ten. At times, seen him listed as six eleven. Um, that's someone right now that I think is probably going to be pretty good on the next level. Garuba, more of a project. Kai Jones, I, I think, will be good on the next level. He can shoot, uh, he can shoot the three. He can rebound. You know, this, this is a guy that that I think that, um, you know, obviously everyone in this draft is pretty much raw, but you're going to be getting good on the ball defense. You're getting an athletic guy. So I, I'm talking about, you know, 
Usman, Kai, and then it is it is completely open over there. And I went with Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky because I feel like Kentucky guys never really get featured in college, and then they're better pros. Now, I feel like Kentucky outside of Anthony Davis hasn't really put out a, a good big man in a while, and Carl Anthony Towns, those two, uh, but those were top overall picks. I think Isaiah Jackson – Bam out of bio? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's, that's good. You're so, forgetting about all these guys, Fosh. They just have so many. They yeah, have Kentucky, so many. They, they, I mean, each year they have like three first-round picks. So uh, Isaiah Jackson, I, I think, is going to be one of the next good Kentucky guys. Uh, so I think he'll surprise people later on this year. Yeah, we'll see what Isaiah Jackson does. I'm not going to – I have a hard time saying anything about Kentucky players because it's really hard to gauge what they are going to be in the pros, like you said. It is. Like Devin Booker. Like, that's, that's always a guy. the example in my head. Yeah, Devin Booker, but then ten points per game in college. Yeah, it's it's tough, but anyway, my guys. You said I had him at a different position. Yeah, Jalen Johnson to me is the number one power forward in this draft. Was projected lottery for a long time. Then he had a weird year at Duke. Only played thirteen games. We talked about it. He's still really young, but he had some of the most impressive games in college basketball when he did play. And then I'm going to come back to that fun name, Usman Garuba, number two for me on my power forward list. And then because, like it was hard, like you said, it was hard to find a person that could fit that role. I ended up going with Trey Murphy. He's six foot nine, but he's listed as a guard on ESPN. Shot 50, 40, 90 last year. I don't know if he could play the, the four or not, but I mean, Wagner could probably play the four. So I could have put Wagner in that group and moved Murphy up. But Murphy's been rising up boards. I don't really think he's like great, but I do think that he's a good three and D player. And with the numbers that he put up shooting-wise, I think that that's real. But it's got to be a better rebounder. 3.4 rebounds a game. Got to get better that way. Just just a good player, but I think he's a mid-20s, early early 20s, maybe late-teens kind of guy, like in that range, like 18 to 25. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm intrigued with some of those guys between, you know, Garuba, you know, Jalen Johnson. I mean, wherever you're going to put him, we had him as our top choice at either small forward or power forward. So, mm. you know, we're in agreement there. Trey Murphy, yeah, you know, that's why I feel like, yeah, he's got the height at 6'9". I just don't know if he can play the four. But, you know, you never know with what teams are doing these days. So it, it is going to be intriguing. I don't think that this is a great draft class in terms of power forwards. But, you know, that remains to be seen. Um, so then for my for my list, we have uh, at center, Alperun Sengun. Now, right over here, I don't want to just link every big man to the Spurs, but we know we have to, they have a need there. I feel like Pop's been looking for that big man. I can say it time and time after again. Sengun, I believe, was, was just the MVP in Turkey, I believe it was. Uh, he's super young, 18 years old. I mean, this guy seems ahead of his time. The knock on him is he's a back-to-the-basket guy. You know, there, he, he, he was able to make – That's exactly what the Pacers need is another center. Yeah. Oh, my God. Not until we move one. Um, so Sangoon, I just feel like this is a guy who has like OKC's name written all over it if they can get him later on. But, um, you know, average over 19 points per game, you know, almost two blocks per game in Turkey. The fact that you're getting an MVP at that age feels, uh, pretty intriguing when most time European prospects are more based off of potential. So then in my next spot, it, it depends where you put Kai Jones. Is he a four? Is he a five? I have him kind of rotating right in there. Um, then, Next, Dyron Sharp from UNC. This is a guy that they're mentioning, you know, dropped basically 20 pounds, was not a three-point shooter in college. He's really added that to his game. He's been rising on a lot of boards. So 
that's something that, um, you know, I think we'll see his name kind of, I don't want to say be a surprise at all, but that's someone who's shooting up some mock drafts. And then last as a bonus, this guy will not go in the first round. Charles Bassey out of Western Kentucky. I've had my eye on him for a few years. Mm-hmm. He, I want to say was he tore his ACL about two years ago, really set him back. This guy's probably going to end up being a second round pick. He's going to be good. He is going to be good, but he will not be picked in the first round. This guy was a near five-star recruit, one of the highest recruits Western Kentucky's ever had. Just the ACL injury. Last year he was good, but he was already a junior at that point. He's he's going to be a good second-round pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, he's a, he's a guy on my list. I have Alperin Sengun as number one, Kai Jones as number two, and Dayron Sharp as number three. The reasons you mentioned for all three of those guys is why I have them on there. I think Sengun makes a ton of sense. But, you know, at this point, it's just the Pacers don't need a center. So, all right, Fachi, that wraps up our list. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will look at what the mocks are saying the Pacers are going to do at pick 13. We're also going to be getting you guys up to speed on all the latest rumors that we have seen throughout social media talking about the Indiana Pacers' involvement and what they could be looking to do this offseason. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What exactly are the mocks saying the Pacers are going to do here at Pick 13? Sure, if you are, you know, maybe in that 1% of basketball fans that have not looked at mock drafts, we're going to fill you in right here. For CBS, on their mock drafts, three of their analysts said we have Kyle Boone saying Alperun Sangoon to the Pacers, which I do not agree with and I cannot really see right now. Gary Parrish said Franz Wagner. And then Collins Ward-Henninger had Jalen Johnson. Now, I've mentioned I'm not interested in Franz. Alperun Sangoon, I just don't think that makes sense. Jalen Johnson at 13, that is intriguing. Then, moving over to Bleacher Report. Jonathan Wasserman. I actually had a, a mock draft that, or maybe his big board came out today. It was a mock but, draft. Okay. Thought it was very all over the place and unlike any other mock draft I've seen. Um, but in one of his latest, James Booknight going to the Pacers and then Jared Butler going to the Pacers, which was the first time I've seen that. Booknight, I do not think will be available. Butler, I do think will be a bit of a reach. Uh, for the ringer. Kevin O'Connor in his latest had Josh Giddy going to the Pacers, a move that, you know, I, I wouldn't shock me, wouldn't hate it, but I'd be like, all right, yeah, it's going to be a little bit, but hey, this guy has a special talent. Then moving over to ESPN and their latest mock drafts, they have Davion Mitchell going to the Pacers, and then Chad Ford in his latest has Davion Mitchell going to the Pacers as well. So as you can see, he has slid from, you know, the originally projected Golden State at seven and going more towards the Pacers. He seems to be like the popular pick being linked to the Pacers. Next, Sports Illustrated. Jeremy Wu had Davion Mitchell going to the Pacers. NBC Sports' James Ham had Franz Wagner going to the Pacers. And lastly, NBA.com had Josh Giddy going to the Pacers. So it looks like in a lot of scenarios, they're looking at a point guard. Yeah, Davion Mitchell seems to be the name that keeps coming back. Or 
Josh Giddy, Franz Wagner. He's Gary Parrish is the only one that I've really been seeing with Franz Wagner. Um, more and more rumors are coming out. Chad Ford is saying that the Grizz really like Franz Wagner at 10. If he's not there, Zaire Williams or Josh Giddy are two other prospects the Grizzlies are high on. Then Jonathan Govoni is saying the Grizzlies worked out Moses Moody privately in L.A. last week in anticipation of potentially moving up in this draft. They've also interviewed James Booknight and are studying Jonathan Kaminga. Seems they may not be done making moves. Spachi, I'm getting a little bit worried here. I'm getting a little nervous that our guy Moses Moody is not going to fall. It would have to be a perfect, you know, dropping of players for Moody to fall. But I mean, there's are, there are some draft, some mock drafts out there that have Moody falling past Indiana and the Pacers passing on him. I think I, the the one from Sports Illustrated with Jeremy Wu had that, and the same with Kevin O'Connor on the ringer. And there was one mock draft, at least one, where I saw Moody going to Washington at 15. I think they would love that value. But, man, it would hurt my soul to see the Pacers pass up on Moses Moody if he was available. I know a lot of our listeners feel the same way. I have seen Pacer Nation just shouting for Moses Moody, and I loved every second of it. But – after Memphis made that trade, Alex, I am shook up here. I do not know what they have up their sleeve. <laughs> Moses Moody feels like a player they could target if they stay at 10. But yeah. luckily you're telling me, and, and who knows, that you know if they're looking to package uh, Eric Bledsoe, they could be all over the place. And they might not be done making moves. So I'm hoping maybe they make another move and maybe slide up or whatever you got to do, but leave Moses Moody to us, please. Yeah, so I, I think the rumors that we've heard, everybody's probably in – in touch with these, Kevin O'Connor, I posted a little bit of a clip from their podcast. He said Indiana has had talks with Golden State about Miles Turner. There's been some more talks about that, possibly including both 7 and 14 to get Miles. I don't necessarily think Miles is worth both those picks, but I think that's an intriguing deal, especially if they get to keep Wiseman in it. Maybe let Wiseman come off the bench. Or maybe they can move Wiseman in a separate deal. I just think if they get Miles Turner to play with Draymond Green, it's a perfect fit for him. It gives Miles a chance to win a championship. If Golden State can get things together with Steph, Draymond Clay, I I, I feel like there's something there of potential. But yeah, that's that's intriguing to me. Ian Begley from the New York Post said New Orleans and New York have expressed interest in Miles Turner. Sham Serrano said Charlotte and New Orleans have expressed interest in Miles Turner. Jake Fisher from Bleacher Reports in Indiana and Houston had trade talks about Eric Gordon and 23 for Indiana's 13th overall pick. The Indy Stars, Jay Michael, said Minnesota and Charlotte really want Miles Turner. He also threw in there that the Pacers are really high on Chris Duarte and they don't believe he'll be available after pick 15. Jason Dumas from Bleacher Reports said Pacers offered Philly Malcolm Brogdon in a first-round pick for Ben Simmons. Chad Ford said Corey Kisper was a heavy favorite for the Pacers before a shaky workout. This led to workouts from Duarte and Murphy III. Also, don't rule out Cameron Thomas to Indiana. The analytics team loves him, and even though he's 19, they believe he can come in off their bench right away and be a go-to scorer. So, Fachi, a lot of stuff coming out here between the Pacers and different, different sources. And I love every second of it. It sounds exactly like what we hoped for, that the Pacers are being very active, making calls. I want them to get turned down by just about every team in the league. Obviously, I want to make a move to, you know, at some point. So someone's got to accept something. Oh, but you're funny, man. <laughs> I, I just love the fact that it's like, hang up on us. What, what else could you do? Worse than that, just keep it coming, Pritchard, in the front office because we're being active. 
I really do feel like something's going to get done. I mean, hey, I, I can't remember. Uh, I was going to say that Pacers' last draft day trade was when they made that trade with the Heat for, you know, KZ Akpala. They sent him and they got like four, four second-round picks. It was a very bland move, but I, I want to put those second-round picks at least to work. I mean, can, can we do something like that, slide up in the second round at the very minimum? But when you mention a guy like Cameron Thomas, we've talked about him. This man can flat out score. Oh, yeah. Like all freshmen in scoring. The, the problem is, is outside of scoring, what does he really do? But at the same point, you need scoring. Nothing. I, nothing. Nothing <laughs> at all. And, then that, and that's the problem. And that shouldn't be that alarming, but it kind of is. Um, so I just feel like there's enough talent here. If the Pacers can find the right trade and they happen to, to move back a few picks, there, there's a guy that I, I – there's plenty of guys that I'll feel comfortable with. So it's more mm-hmm. like picking at 13 is more of the nerve-wracking pick of like, man, you really got to nail this. If the Pacers slip back to say like, you know, 17, 18, something like that, I, I feel confident that there's a handful of guys they can get and do well with. Yeah, I am not in on this uh, Cam Thomas stuff right here, Fachi. It, it'd be, be a reach. At 13, it's a total no. reach. Yeah, I mean, it's the only re- reach. I think he's closer to a second-round prospect than he is a lottery pick. This is a guy that – yeah, he can put the ball in the basket. I, here's what I'll say real quick. If this is what the Pacers analytics team is saying that they want in a player, no wonder they've been such a bad drafting team over the last three years. If you're looking at Cam Thomas at pick 13, if these are the guys that are giving you intel on who to pick, I mean, I'm sorry, but that's a little bit concerning because Cam Thomas, all he does is shoot the basketball. And I heard a comparison today on Chad Fort's podcast to Jimmer for dead. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I have nothing to do. Well, because he didn't play any defense, didn't pass the ball. All he did was shot shots from way out. I mean, he's a good free throw shooter. I think he shot 90%. I understand why there are reasons why you like it, but at LSU, they're just like, yeah, man, do your thing. So it's like, okay, look, I'm not I'm not gonna freak out about the Jimmer for Dead comparison because I think a lot of Pacer fans at one point wanted Jimmer for Dead with that 15th overall pick when they ended up getting Kawhi Leonard, trading that for our go-to guy, George Hill, right? So anyway, at the end of the day, I just – I look at things, Fachi, from a from a different point of view, and I understand why, Cam Thomas, you want that scoring because we have not had that type of scoring before. But at the end of the day, I am a little bit hesitant about picking him at 13. Trade back to 23-24 with Houston – and take him there, I'm fine with it. But 10 picks before that, I'm not. There's too many guys that I think are better than him in this draft, and quite frankly, it's just not something I'm intrigued by. But there's a lot of stuff around Miles Turner. I think a trade probably does get done. If it doesn't, it means that teams are lowballing the Pacers because they don't feel like Miles' value is as high as I think us fans believe that it is. Yeah, sure. And, and also – Put it this way, Golden State, why would they make a move in advance? I feel like when you have those picks, Golden State right now is like the talk of the town on the trade market. I feel like they should ride this out basically until the draft, until before they're going to pick to really make a decision here because you can really field out all the offers. I mean, I would imagine when you mentioned a team like Memphis, Memphis is probably calling them up right now. You know, so I think that a deal involving Golden State is not going to get done probably until draft night. But when you mentioned back to Cameron Thomas real quick, I believe he got a green room invite. So not sure if someone's promised him anything of the sort, but maybe he is one of the surprise risers uh, come draft time. But you never know. 
So I just think well, I'm in agreement with you at 13. It's, it's a gamble. It, it really is. The man's scoring ability is not in doubt by anyone, but the Pacers kind of also need a little bit more of a well-rounded player. And, and I think there's a, quite a few of those at 13 with high ceilings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It's just, oh, man, just to think about it. And Corey Kispert as the heavy favorite, oh, man, that made me sick too. Yeah. I, I thought it made me sick. Okay, I should take that back. I like Kispert, but if that's the guy you're just going to, like, zero in on, what are we doing? Like, I get it. You want to win now. This this pick is going to cost you about 3 to $4 million probably on the on the books because it's a first-round pick in the lottery. So you got to account for that on your, th- on your roster, on your cap sheet. But – you got to be really smart about it. I feel like Chris Duarte is a guy that makes more sense to me for them to pick because being able to play right away. And that's exactly what they want to do with Carlisle. And I understand why they might be intrigued by trading for a veteran like an Eric Gordon type of player, but Eric Gordon has played like half of the games that he's been um, allotted to play out of the, what is the 140 some games they played over the last two seasons. He played like 60 something. So He's not really been that impressive to me in terms of being uh, available. So that's where I get kind of frustrated with, like, why are we even talking about Eric Gordon in a trade conversation? So to me, just keep your pick at 13 unless you move up with Golden State. Don't move back unless you get a veteran that makes sense for your roster and isn't going to, like, cost you $18 million for the next two seasons per year. they got to get a guy that is cheaper, and that can really help them win now because to me, Eric Gordon does not help them win, even though I think he's a fine player and he once was really a pretty effective player. I don't think he's that same guy anymore. 10 years ago, it would have been cool. It would have, but four years ago, four yeah, years ago, I mean, what he things, did, he did some really good things in Houston. Yeah, no, he did, but it's he's just look, his best years are behind him. No one is going to tell you otherwise. Uh, and just, I'm not interested. I we're, we're, we've had enough of the ties to Indiana. Oh, look, you know, hey, he went to IU. Yeah, all right, cool. He went to IU like a lifetime ago. At this point, I don't want the remaining money on, on our books. And to slide down 10 spots, I mean, this isn't the Pacers sliding from 13 to, to 16 or something like that. I mean, this is 13 to 23 or 24, and that's not intriguing at all. I don't think that Eric Gordon's going to help us win now. I think, if anything, now we have another – you know, another mouth to feed in the lineup. It, it, it's just, I mean, I guess you would imagine they, they take back Jeremy Lamb and I don't know who else you're going to attach to him. Aaron, you know, it has to Aaron. be about $14 million. I think there's a – the Pacers can take on that money because of some trade exceptions and stuff like that that they have. But still, Foch, it's just giving up Aaron, Aaron Holiday. Aaron Holiday, the 13th pick, and Jeremy Lamb to slide back 10 picks – and take on Eric Gordon's contract. I'm it's sorry. Bad value. It makes no sense. Nope, no sense at all. So I'm just curious to see what else happens in terms of what other teams make moves. I mean, this is obviously one of the most, I feel like, highly anticipated drafts in terms of trades, what could happen in the lottery, people valuing certain people. Continues to feel like Book Knight is a guy that people are coveting in that top 10. Kaminga could be falling. Moses Moody is a guy that I think is such a question mark. He could be sleeping, uh, you know, be slept on by some teams. He could be a a guy that people trade up for. So uh, honestly, I'm not really sure what's going to happen too much to predict right now, but I think this is probably one of the most unpredictable draft top 
14 guys that I've seen because a lot of times I've seen drafts where, you know, Gavoni and, and Mike Schmitz and those guys, they predict at least 10 of the 14 that are going to go in the lottery because they've got good intel on what's going to happen. But right now it just feels like there's so much going on behind the scenes in terms of trade talk, in terms of what teams really like that we're not really sure. And that's what makes picking at 13 a little bit, you know, nerve wracking just because you have to wait and see how the board falls. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be very unpredictable. I think once you get – man, I want to say they could probably predict right maybe the first five or so picks. After that, I mean, where's Kuminga going? I mean, he's been someone that's kind of been sliding a little bit. Scotty Barnes pick, it's a, that's that's still, you know, where exactly is Barnes going? We've seen him link to the Magic. You never know. Once one of those chips falls, I mean, it could shake everything up. If Book Knight doesn't go seven, it's like, is he going to the Magic or is he starting to slide a little bit? You know, you just don't know. I mean, there's there's so many guys that if they're not picked in one spot, they could fall. If Corey Kispert, think about that. If Kispert slides past the Pacers, I mean, is he just going to the next best team or, or does he fall a good amount? I really don't know. There, there's a lot of those guys that it's going to be very intriguing. I'm curious to see who's going to be the biggest riser in the draft, like the head scratcher of, wow, well, that didn't make a lot of sense. But there's always going to be one of them. Uh, I'm, I'm calling it right now. I'm picking Davion Mitchell as my faller in the draft. Yeah, I think he makes the most sense just because the upside people might say, well, he's 22, 23. He's already kind of showed what he can be. He's already hit his peak. He already hit his upside. I mean, that is something that I think could make some sense. But, Fachi, as we wrap up today's show, one last thing. What do you think are the top three areas of concern for this Pacers team that they need to address this offseason? I mean, right now, man, I don't know if it's a, if it's in order or not, but you're going to need shooting. If Doug McDermott walks right now, you need a guy that can shoot. You flat-out need a shooter. The center position. What are we doing there? Are we are we running it with running it back with the bigs? You know that, that we currently have, or are we going to address? Because rebounding wise, we've talked about Alex. The Pacers, I believe, they're the worst rebounding team in the league over like the last three seasons, or not? And defensively, period. This team needs to get back to having a defensive identity. Absolutely has to. So that's a must. And and really, I mean, if McConnell walks. All right, and you're going to trade Aaron Holiday. What are you doing at the backup point guard position? Because I do think that a lot of this makes sense if the Pacers could be looking at a point guard. They very well could, but you're going to need someone who's also defensive-minded. You're going to need a point guard, and you're going to need a shooter. And uh, that's why I think the Pacers need to be active in at least packaging some of those second-round picks to be able to move up in the second round and get another either A, prospect, or B, just make a bigger move, period, and bring in a more established player. Yeah, my biggest three that I think the Pacers need to address of areas they need to address, you said it, shooting. They got to get more shooting on this team, a little bit more consistently from the outside. I, I mean, it's just one of those things where the NBA is going to become a shooter's league, and I think if we can have better three-point shooting and mid-range shooting, we're going to be better off for it. I think defense clearly has to get better, specifically on the perimeter if you trade Miles Turner, then you're really going to be needing those guys on the perimeter to step up their game because DeMontis Sabonis is not the rim protector that Miles Turner is. DeMontis Sabonis is a great rebounder, but in terms of altering shots at the rim, that is not something he does. There's been a couple highlights where he does get some nice blocks, but yeah, he's just he doesn't have the timing nor the feel that Miles Turner has on that defensive side of the ball. And then lastly, they got to get guys that can play 
that power forward position. They've only got two guys right now on the roster that you feel really comfortable about them playing the power forward, and that's TJ Warren and O'Shea Brissett. I think you got to find at least one more person that can be interchangeable at the three and the four and really help this team grow a little bit. So that's why I could see them going after a guy like Franz Wagner, Jalen Johnson, someone that could play that three, four position, because quite frankly, that's the way the league is heading. The Pacers kind of need that Jay Crowder type of player off their bench, maybe even starting just to really kind of help on the defensive side of things and help this team get more modernized because running two bigs is just so opposite of where the league is heading. And while big men have become more dominant, I think in the last couple of years in this league, it's a different type of dominant. It's not a dominant where you have your back to the basket. It's being able to shoot threes, put the ball on the floor, be a facilitator, you know, have all the works, not just a one trick pony like Shaquille O'Neal was in terms of just out muscling you in the paint. So that is where I am at on everything. Fachi. I think that it's going to be an exciting week. I cannot wait for Thursday. It is going to be way too long Thursday when I wake up, not being able to watch what happens until eight o'clock. Oh yeah. I mean, we are, the countdown is on basically at about 72 hours, even less when you listen to this. So, Hey, lucky you guys, but you know, we still have some time to go. I just hope that the, the trades keep flooding in. The NBA draft is literally my favorite times of the year. There's always a lot of movement going on for the most part. And it's just a very exciting time. The NBA does a great job staying relevant throughout the year. Cause Hey, right after this, we're kicking off free agency. Yeah. So you know, a lot of good stuff going on. I think the Pacers are in a great spot at pick 13. Man, it just feels like anything could happen there. It's just like we talked about in the past. Wish we could have been just a couple picks higher to feel a little bit safer about what we want to do. But at 13, it's that perfect in-between of, man, I, it could be a handful of different players. Yeah, well, that play-in game, Fachi, was a playoff win, according to Kevin Woo. Pritchard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit of a reach there, KP. Uh, love having you on the show, but that was uh, a take that I was not expecting. Getting your butt kicked by Washington once again was not what the Pacers needed. They needed to lose to Charlotte. They needed San Antonio to win, and they'd be right there at pick 11 where they'd be much better at getting Moses Moody. But anyway, I digress. we got 13th pick. We're in the lottery. we got Rick Carlisle as our head coach. Things seem to be going in a better direction for the Pacers than most teams that miss the playoffs. So, Fachi. Where can the people find us on social media? So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. And at the end of the day, everybody, if you are excited for this year's NBA draft and you are a fan of the Indiana Pacers and anticipate a good offseason, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! <laughs>